Anybody remember what we're talking about this quarter? <laughs> Ephesians and waging war. Good, good. There's a war going on inside of every one of us. What is this war? It is the war that you already know about if you've been coming to Chi Alpha. <laughs> it is the war for the very image of God. The war that he's, he has made us in his image, but the devil does not want us to be like God, to act like God, to think like God. The war that's going on inside of you is you are struggling and God is struggling so that he himself can be reformed in you so that God's spirit can have complete say over your thoughts. For Jesus' love to be the model of all of your relationships and for his love to be demonstrated in your behavior. Our text tonight is in Ephesians chapter 5. So if you could turn there with me, uh, that'd be great. We're going to need some Bible passers real fast. Fast Bible passers. Put up your hand if you need uh, a Bible in Spanish or English. That's all we have tonight. Sorry. Um, we'll try to get some others. This is our gift to you. If you don't have a Bible, please take it and read it. And if you just want to borrow one, that's fine as well. I've got some people who are going to read Ephesians 5, 1 through 20. So could we have our first reader, please? Thanks, guys, for reading God's scripture. Wow. Serious words from Paul to the Ephesian church and through that letter that he wrote to them to us as well. Serious words for us. Even greater wow, the good news that is held out to us in these words that God himself, his spirit, can fill us. And in filling us, he can reformat our thinking, guiding our words, changing our behavior, changing our lives back into the image of God himself, like we were created to be, where we've been talking all year long about Genesis 1, 26 through 28. God made us in our image and to be his co-rulers of this planet. We need to get back to where we are acting like God and leading this planet to where it needs to go. May I tell you a story? Once upon a time. For you guys, it was a long time ago because I was young. In the 1970s, maybe you've read about it in history books, High school boys and girls did this thing called parking. You drive your car to somewhere where you could be alone and you would park it there. And then you would do things. Okay, so this older high school couple drove me and Jay up to the mountain where people parked in our town in Bellingham. And then they threw a blanket into the back seat where we were. Oh, dear. I found out for the first time I liked kissing. 
and other things. This is where lust gained a control over my life. You see, I wasn't following Jesus at this time. I'd grown up in church, sure, but that doesn't mean you're following Jesus, does it? Understanding how much God loves us and how he sent his son for us to die on a cross for us, to be buried and rise again for us, understanding that doesn't mean you're following Jesus, does it? It just means you've heard about it and you're beginning to understand it. Okay, and so I wasn't following the Lord. I was not following his example of walking in love like we are told to live a life of love like Jesus who had sacrificial love. No, I was more into taking as many uh, physical pleasurable experiences from Jay as I possibly could underneath that blanket. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, okay. Um, I was living a life of what we read in the scripture would be called sexual immorality, impurity, and greed. And like Paul says in verse 5, for of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. I know now I was an idolater. I was not worshiping God. I was not serving him with my life. Can any of you relate? Maybe just give a slow wink so nobody else sees. Yeah, I think a lot of us understand this. I didn't understand at that time that I seriously was under the control of sin. I was under the control of the devil. Because 1 John 5, 19, uh, the saddest verse in the Bible says the whole world is under the control of the evil one. And I'm part of the world. So whose control was I under? The devil's control. Hmm. How aware are you doing today of that spiritual battle? How aware, aware are you doing today as you take your classes that there is a spiritual war all over the planet raging because the devil rules Instead of the one true God. You see, our great, 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 great grandparents, Adam and Eve, gave away control of the planet when they decided to follow the promptings and the ideas of the devil instead of the promptings and ideas of their creator. Whew, bad news. How free from sin's control are you getting now that most of you here, I, I know most of you, have decided to follow Jesus? You getting freer? Isn't it good to be getting freer? Yes, it is so good. So, me and Jay in the back seat frequently. But God. But God was not going to put up with that. He was not going to lose me to the dark side, as we say in the movie world. But God, who is rich in his mercy and abundant and sacrificial in his love, he did something. He sent a person just like you named Tim Casey who told me all about Jesus. He told me about the cross. He told me 
Jesus dying there and all of my sins and your sins and everybody's sins, past, present and future, were poured into him and punished by God and taken away so that anybody who believes could be set free from sin. I think we have a slide. Let's see if we can get on the right slide. Yep, look at that. We are in cahoots. What has God done for us on the cross? We read in Ephesians chapter 1, 7 through 10, and if you haven't got that in your head, you can always cheat and look. It says that we have been redeemed. That means bought out of slavery to sin and Satan. The price has been paid for our liberation. And it, we have forgiveness of all our sins. You know how great it feels to have the slate wiped clean and to know that God carries no charge against us. Our shame, everything that we have done to shame our father is wiped clean. Shame is gone. Dishonor that we've committed against our father and against our people is gone. Shame is wiped clean by Jesus. He paid the penalty for our wrongdoing, for our shame, our dishonoring of him. And it says we now know God's will, which is to bring everything in heaven and on earth together under Jesus. We know that Jesus is the true leader, the true savior of the world. Oh, my gosh. So many cool things. We know from chapter two, uh, verse one through ten, that even though we were dead, we were like dead people, like zombies in the movie world. We were like dead people walking around under the control of sin and Satan. But because God loves us, because he's merciful, he sent his son Jesus to take away our sins so that now by his grace, which is a fancy word, which just means his gift, his kindness, his favor for him being for us because of that grace, he has rescued us from the grip, from the slavery of shame and dishonor and guilt. Wow, that's good stuff. All our shame and guilt and dishonor and wrongdoing was poured under Jesus and it killed him. But did he stay dead? No. He rose from the dead, which clues us in he is more than a normal person, isn't he? Because we're going to stay dead, aren't we? Jesus did not stay dead. And he promises one day we too will rise from the grave because we believe in him. Wouldn't you like to live forever to come back from the dead? Who? This is all incredible news. And it says in 3:16 and 17 that now he gives us, gives us his spirit to dwell inside and to make us strong in this battle that we're living in, to say no to the wrong ways of every culture, the dishonoring ways. Get it? We now have the strength. Ooh. Anyway, Tim told me all those things. I said, yes, I want Jesus. And he came into my life, washed away my guilt and shame. 
fantastic. And then I got invited by people just like you. I got invited to two youth groups. God knew I needed more than one, I guess. <laughs> he knew what he was dealing with. I got invited to Young Life by my friends Rod and Marty on the cross-country team. The Young Life meetings, we learned about Jesus. We had a lot of fun. These meetings were led by John Hartle, who happened to be roommates with Brady Bob Inc., the Chi Alpha Campus Minister. Ho oh. ho. And I also got invited to the St. James Youth Group, which were led by two of Brady's friends, Steve and Marion, who also were involved in the Chi Alpha Group. And I heard all about Jesus and about what his spirit could do to lead and guide our lives and give us strength. How are you guys doing inviting your friends to like CORE and Kyle Flynn Church? You're doing inviting? Because someday they'll come, like someday I did come. Yeah, so cool. Did God give up on me just because I was sinning? No, he did not. Will he give up on you? No. Will he give up on anybody? Will he give up on anybody who is walking in dishonor and ways that disgrace their heavenly father on this planet? Will he give up on them? Never. Because he loves you, me, and everybody on this earth. Wherever they live, whatever culture they are from. So I became a disciple, a follower of Jesus. I was baptized. And the war for the image of God in my life was being won by Jesus. It was being restored. I joined God in his kingdom because of his amazing grace. I loved having this family of fellow believers all around me and realizing that all over the planet there were people who also believed in Jesus all over the planet. And don't you long for more and more people to hear about Jesus all over the planet? Because Jesus is not an American. Do you get it? No. He is not just for Americans. He's for everybody. I think he was Jewish. <laughs> he wasn't even a Christian. That was supposed to be funny. Okay. <laughs> Where are you tonight in the process God has initiated to restore his image in you? Think about it. Where are you at? How's that image coming along? Specifically because of our text tonight, how free from sexual immorality, impurity, and greed are you? He wants us free. He wants us to be able to image him. When we look at scripture, we see that God himself is a relationship. God himself is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God himself is a family. God himself is a community. God himself is perfect love because he loves himself, yeah? And he is the model for all of our relationships. That's why we must get free 
from sexual immorality and impurity and greed because that's not how God acts. That's not how we were designed to live. That brings him and us shame and dishonor. He wants us to be free, to be who we are supposed to be, which is like him, good and gracious and kind and honoring and noble all of the time. So Paul tells the Ephesian church all about sex. And we're going to let him to tell, tell us all about sex tonight as well. Are you ready? I think there's another slide. Yeah. No, go back to the other one. That was good. We're going to learn about sexual immorality, impurity, and greed. These, these three words in the Greek. Let's see if I can get on the right page here in my notes. Sexual immorality is the Greek word pornea. P-O-R-N-E-I-A. It means things like fornication. If you don't know what that means, get your phone out. Your phone knows. It means things like prostitution. That was back when sex was hard to get. You had to pay for it. Now people just give it away free. It's called college. It's like the word paramour. It's like the old-fashioned word whoremongering. Look that up. Rich history, even in the English language of this word, and all of it talks about sexual activity outside of marriage. What's so great about marriage? Because it models the Trinity. It models, it provides that opportunity anyway to model Father, Son, and Holy Spirit living in perfect love, giving love, serving love, unity because everybody's serving everybody. You get it? And so all this other stuff is not serving and loving, but taking. Taking. What can I get? What can I have? What can I experience? It's all about my pleasure. So this word pornea, sexual immorality, uh, <coughs> is giving ourselves over to our feelings. It's living for feelings. Feelings are in control and we act on what we want. I liked kissing. I liked exchanging saliva for a long time. Kissing a lot. And hugging a lot. And other things. I really liked it because it was pleasurable. But I did not do it in marriage, and I did not do it to make Jay a better person. I did it to take from Jay a feeling for myself. This is what lust is all about, isn't it? Wanting for one's self. Anybody ever lusted before? Okay, I'm not alone. Of course we have. Lusting is what you can get from him. Lusting is what you can get from her for yourself. It's not loving because it's not giving. It's not loving because it's not in marriage. She gives you pleasure. He gives you belonging and a false sense of significance, a false sense of security, 
This is lust. Oh, and daydreaming about it. Same difference. Pleasure is for marriage. Hey, did you know that security can only be gotten from God himself? Because you were designed to get it from him. Did you know that significance can only be gotten from God himself? Because that's how you're designed. You cannot get it from another human being because they are not perfect. They're not loving. They cannot give you what you need because you were designed by God to get it from him. It's like going to the store and that item is not on the shelf. So don't keep going to the store. They don't sell it. Only God does. So what is pornea? Pornea is a very broad term meaning any sex act not inside the holy marriage that God intends it to be that emulates the love of the Trinity. It's any lustful imagining of a relationship before marriage. What about all kinds of sex acts today like sexting? I don't think God does that. What about porn? I don't think God does that. What about friends with benefits? I don't think God does that. What about experimentation with the opposite sex? What about more than one person at the same time? No. All these things are outside of the bonds of marriage and are not lusting. They are just taking. They are just taking. They are taking. They are selfishness. Selfishness is not what God is all about. God's image in you is damaged. God's reputation is damaged. Whew. Okay, what is impurity? Word number two. Akatharsia. This Greek word is linked with sexual immorality and puts a person in the state of being unclean or unacceptable to God. It's unrestrained sexual activity. Is this compatible with the life of the Trinity? Of course not. It's uncleanness. You are become an unclean person. You are so dirty that God is no longer visible to others. Is strongly warping what God had intended. How's greed defined? Well, Greek word is kleonexia, and it means wanting more. It means greed. It means covetousness. It defines you as what one of the things I read is as a more haver. I must have more. Yeah. This wanting more is linked to sex. The person wanting the other person for what they can experience from them. So how can this wanting be related to sex? They want that person for their very own so they can have that pleasure, that security, that significance that they think that they're going to find. But they have forgotten that each person is created by and belongs to God himself. You can never have another person. Now we have another slide. How does God free us from all this stuff? 
How does God free us from all this stuff? The cross. The person and the power. Oh, it's supposed to say of the Holy Spirit. Just change that. Okay, good. Maybe I wrote it wrong. The cross is all about us understanding what happened there. Do you know that the cross is God's demonstration to you, to me, and to everybody that he loves you, that he is for you, that he's not going to let any sin, he's not going to let any devil stand in the way between having a good relationship with you. The cross is God saying that he is for us, never against us. The cross destroys the devil's great lie. And what is that great lie? That God is just like the devil. Whenever you think the thought, God is against me, God is making life hard. That's the devil trying to make you think that God is just like the devil. The devil's the bad one. The cross is all about forgiveness because forgiveness changes everything. How well do you understand that you're completely forgiven and God is never going to hold anything against you? <coughs> when you get that, when you understand that, you will run to him every time. What's the devil want you to do? Run away from God every time. Mm. The cross is all about Romans 8.1. Where it says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who believe in Jesus. God will never condemn you for that. You've had your day in court. Not guilty. <coughs> Gavin goes down. Write that down in your notes. Not guilty. <coughs> You've had your day in court. Okay, what about the person of the power of the Holy Spirit? And we're almost done. Look at the very end of our section tonight. In 518, it says, don't get drunk on wine. Okay, of course, you already know from previous messages, that was one of my problems as well. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Fancy word for being out of control. Instead, be filled with the spirit. Do you get the juxtaposition of the words? Don't get drunk with something. Do get filled with something. Drunk and filled, same word. Don't get filled with wine. That leads you to being out of control. Do get drunk on the spirit. Leads you to be under the control of the spirit. That's worth thinking about. Drink more spirit. Drink less spirits. Has the Holy Spirit been busy in your brain like he has in mine? Through daily doses of the scripture, my brain is being trained to think like God's brain. Holy Spirit is very personal to me. Is he to you? Are you building a real relationship with him? Uh, I've heard a lot of a lot of you talking to the uh, uh, talking about the Holy Spirit as an it. No it. Him. Him. Write it down. 
no it, him. He is a him. He's a being. He's a person. He is so close to me. He lives in me. He coaches me moment by moment. He tells me what's going on in my head. That's a good thought. That's from the devil. That's from your culture. That was just your mom. <laughs> this is me. Okay. Hmm. Okay, we're back in youth group. St. James, all the kids are saying God told them such and such. God never had told me anything. I was a rookie Christian. I'm getting really mad. Well, how come I'm left out? So I started talking to God about angry feelings I was having towards him. God, everybody else says you talk to them. Here I am. I was so mad. God loves our honest prayers. You ever felt this way about God? You ever been mad? Tell him. He'll deal with you. He dealt with me. I prayed for two months before I started hearing him speak. Simultaneously, I had been reading the Bible every day. I started hearing him. I wonder if there was a correlation. Hmm, right. Hmm, correlation. What happened next? I'd heard about being baptized in the spirit, which is getting a larger experience of God's spirit. All the other kids, God. What about me? I was angry. I got angry at Connell Paul. I got anger problems. <laughs> he just shakes his head and say, "Why, oh why?" I read the Bible all about the Holy Spirit for another two months. I knew every verse about the Holy Spirit in the Bible, and I'm talking to God in my backyard one day. I am so angry at Him. Everybody else is filled with the Holy Spirit. I was just mad at him, and I started speaking in tongues. And just, yeah, okay. That's another story. Anyone ever have a totally plugged ear? It's gross. You can't hear out of it. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit is like all the wax and congestion is removed. Boom. And you can now hear God very clearly in your thoughts. Mm. He would tell me to do stuff, and then I would do what he said, and then it would work. He would tell me to do stuff, I would do what he said, and then it worked. And I got to thinking this is a great partnership. And this is all about what being filled with him, being controlled by him, drinking of him, him, notice him, not it, is all about. In conclusion... How do you and I walk worthy of our calling? Because it says in chapter 4, verse 1, live a life worthy of the Lord. The old translations say walk instead of live. And walk sounds like worthy. Hence the title. How do we walk worthy? Loving like Jesus in Ephesians 1, 5, 1, sacrificially. No more sinning like in 5, 3. No more of that sexual immorality impurity and greediness, and much more spirit. Let's pray.
Dear Lord, thank you for the cross. Thank you for giving us your spirit. Father, thank you for proving your love for us. Thank you for making us in your image, and thank you for leading on this journey back to being made in your image. Give us much, much grace tonight to hear what we needed to hear and to put into practice the things we have heard. Help us to drink something different. Help us to drink you. Help us to love differently, to love like you. Help us to stop relating to get, but to give. Make us like you, Lord. Amen.